0: Before I read the scripture today, and in the last, this is going to be the last message I'm going to share in the Fit Church series, um, I wanted to read a little bit of something to you that Pastor Rick Warren wrote. He's the pastor of Saddleback Church in California. He wrote Purpose Driven Life. I'm sure many of you have read that. Purpose Driven Church. He said the key for churches in the 21st century will be church health, not church growth. Because when a congregation is healthy, it will grow spiritually and enjoy the benefits of a live, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. When a congregation is healthy, it will grow in number. Healthy things grow. I thank the Lord we shared Wednesday night that we grew by 39 members last year. However, when it comes to us as individuals, I want you to hear me say this. I want you to understand that a spiritually fit Christian will not find his strength nor determine his weakness in the size of the church that he attends. So today we're going to look at four signs that the child of God lives a life that is nourished by the Word of God and illuminated by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand something. This subject of spiritual fitness that I'm going to speak on today could never be covered in one message because we all know the Word of God gives us spiritual medicine from cover to cover that will make us fit. Somebody say amen. But, for what I want to share with you today, I want us to look back to a text from the first message in this series found in the book of Acts chapter 2, if you'll stand with me all over the room this morning for the reading of the Word, and then we'll pray. Acts chapter 2 and 42 in the New Living Translation. All the believers devoted themselves. Say devoted. Well, that was weak. Say it again. Devoted. Thank you. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. The spiritual fitness of these Spirit-filled believers was determined by their devotion to these four things you see on the screen today. And that's what we're going to look at as we look at Fit Church, Building a Healthy Church, Part 4, Spiritual Fitness. If you will, pray with me and for me today. Father, one more time, we come before your throne. We love you, we praise you, we thank you for your presence we've already felt here today and your anointing that has been in this place. Father, I ask today that you would just move me out of the way. Don't let me speak with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but God, it's my desire today that your word will come forth in the power and in the demonstration of your spirit, that you will touch hearts and change lives through this word today. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you do. Thank you, Nicholas. This text today gives the first look at the early church as it gives us a look at the results of a heart that is revived by the Holy Spirit. These scriptures should prick our hearts in the modern-day church and it should serve as a guide for us to examine ourselves by. All healthy things show signs of life. If the child of God is not growing spiritually in any or all of these four areas, then that Christian is dying. We're either moving forward or we're going backwards. Somebody say amen. Amen. A church, though, can only be as spiritually fit as those who attend her. This church can only be as spiritually fit as all of our members and attenders are. And therefore, it's needful that all of us that claim to be a part of the body of Christ make a clear examination of our level of spiritual fitness. I would propose to you that a fit church begins with a consuming passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. The early church at the day of Pentecost received the word gladly, the Bible said. They continued steadfastly. They enjoyed Christian fellowship, and they were a praying church. These are the life expressions of a Spirit-led child of God. Now, I want you to please understand that today's text is not a complete list to everything that a born-again Christian does or should do. However, it does contain seeds that determine how much spiritual life is birthed in all areas of the lives of a child of God when we apply him or herself, when we apply ourselves to the Word. First of all, they were devoted to the Word. I had you say the word devoted. A key sign of spiritual fitness is to devote oneself to the apostles' teachings. The Bible says that they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. The word devoted here, listen to me, means to continue, to persevere, to stick to, and to persist. Now, I'm going to preach to us for a little while this morning. That means that it's not okay to just go to church when you feel like it and stay home when you don't. You're not going to help me as much as the 845 crowd did. Those people are dedicated. They get here early. I said, that means you're not just going to go to church when you feel like it. And stay home when you don't. Come on. That means that you're not just going to go to church when it's convenient for you. And stay home when it isn't. The word devoted means that they continued. They persevered. They stepped to. And they persisted. Now I always used to say, and you've heard other preachers say it when I was growing up, that my mama had a drug problem. She drugged me to Sunday school on Sunday mornings. She drugged me back to church on Sunday nights. She drugged me to church on Wednesday nights. And can I tell you that for most people and in today's society, now, we don't have a Sunday evening service here anymore because we have two Sunday morning services. This team now the, the choir doesn't, but the praise team and the band, they do two sets back- to- back. I preach the same message back to back so that we can accommodate the the two different crowds that want to worship here. And that's just awesome that we have that, that problem. But a lot of people in today's society, they can't have Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. That's just too much to get there. They just want to go one time a week. But when I was growing up, like I said, my mama drugged me on Sunday morning. She drugged me on Sunday night. She drug me on Wednesday night. And uh, she was a good Baptist. I was raised Baptist. And also, let me throw this out there for you. Some of you that have been raised Church of God may not even know what this is all about, but if she could find a good tent pitch somewhere for a tent revival, she'd drag me on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for a tent revival. And those people would get right down in the sawdust on their knees and pray, and they would have church. She would drag me to church. Devoted means to continue to persevere to stick to and persist and so a Christian who is surrendered to the Holy Spirit will not quit can I hear an amen I, I didn't get a good amen. I got a weak amen, but that's okay. In today's society, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I, I love a good uh, spiritual service. I'm not against emotionalism. We're Church of God. We get emotional. I like emotional worship, but I want to tell you this: I'm not looking for people who want to run the aisles and shout, and then before you know it, you turn around and they're backslid doing something else before the next Sunday gets here. I'm interested in a life-changing in encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ that when you experience that, you won't back away. You won't quit. You won't shy away from the truth. You'll stay steadfastly in biblical teaching. You'll go to church when you feel like it. You'll go to church when you don't. You'll pay your tithes when you've got surplus. You'll pay your tithes when you don't. You'll pray and trust God when it looks like the answer's on the way. And you'll pray and trust God when it looks like there is no way. Because you know you serve a God that can make a way where there seems to be no way. Can I hear an amen this morning? A spiritually fit Christian makes sure they read and hear the Word of God, and then they surrender to the Holy Spirit's prompting to obey it. So many times in the church, we hear the Word, we believe the Word, and even in this message today, there will be those that sit there, that realize that there is some area in your life that you could mark up to this word, but when the invitation is given at the end of the, at the, end of the service, you will allow pride to keep you in your seat, instead of putting the pride to the side and making your way to the altar so that you can get things right in your life with God. But I promise you, if you'll put your pride to the side, you will get under the spout where the glory comes out and you'll see what a change the Word of God can make in your life. The mark of a true church is not the size or the beauty of its facility. It's not the number of people who attend or how modern or traditional the sanctuary may look. The important issue is, particularly in today's time, is whether or not it holds true to the apostles' doctrines. Whether or not it preaches and teaches the uncompromising, unadulterated Word of God. If you're looking for a church where your ears will always be tickled, you're in the wrong place. It's my goal that your toes are always sore when you leave. Can I hear an amen? Because I would rather offend you trying to get you on your way to heaven than I would to love you and, and not try to offend you and let you go straight to hell. There are too many pulpits today that preach something, but it's compromising It's watered down. It doesn't address other issues, and it even names some things gray areas. But every time I pick up my Bible, I've never read any text in gray. It was always black, white, or red. And if it was red, that means Jesus said it. There are no gray areas. This book means what it says, and it says what it means. And you need to find yourself in a Bible believing, teaching the uncompromising Word of God. Born-again Christians should have a teachable spirit mm-hmm. and a hunger to learn more of God's will for their lives. But instead, too many people want to be like, oh, that don't apply to me. Or they want to say, I know he ain't talking about me. Come on. And get upset. Or I love this one. Oh, he's talking about their children now. He ain't talking about my children. Yeah, preach, Pastor. Them kids ought to sit down and not run around the church house. Preach. He ain't talking about my kids. When your kids are heathens. (laughs) But you don't want to admit it. You want everybody to think that they're perfect. And it's always everybody else. Have you ever noticed. That some people. Can never get a breakthrough in their life. Because everything that goes wrong in their life. Is never their fault. It's always somebody else's fault. But can I tell you when you apply the Word of God to your life, first of all, the most valuable item in this world is this book right here. The most valuable item in this world is this Bible. Bill Gates, billions can't touch it. Hitler, Hitler could not destroy it. Nero couldn't burn it, although he tried. I don't know if you know that or not. You ought to read that story. And the Khmer Rouge couldn't change it. They tried to change the Word of God. But this Word is inerrant... And it is infallible. Nothing will change you more in this life than the trials that you go through and the scriptures that you read, meditate on, and memorize. God's Word is spiritual food that you must take in daily. You should take it in daily to enjoy God's plan and purpose for your life. Did you know that throughout this book, the Word of God is referred to, think about this, as milk, bread, meat, Solid food and sweet dessert. Have you thought about that? In the Bible itself, the Word of God is referred to to those things. This is your daily four-course meal to help you grow and have spiritual strength to defeat the devil and resist temptation. We live in a day and a time where folks don't do it like, I guess, like it was done when I was raised or even when we raised our children. Some people... See, the Word of God is referred to as milk, bread, solid food, and sweet dessert. Paul talks about some people never getting off the meat, the milk, onto the meat of the Word. They never get away from the, the liquid, easy to swallow stuff to the stuff you have to chew on and then digest. When I, when we raised, when Angie and I were raising our children, you'll find that my kids eat all vegetables. Abby's a really healthy eater. But some people, Shelbo, I did not just throw you under the bus wherever you are. He's, he eats pretty healthy too. Uh, but uh, Abby, she's all about the grilled meat, give me some vegetables, and I mean, she's good. That's what she wants all the time. But when they were little, we didn't just give them tutti frutti because now all they'll eat is tutti frutti. All my kids will eat tutti frutti. I love this one. All my kids will eat are chicken nuggets. All my kids will eat are pizza, chicken nuggets, or french fries. When they were little, when we put the carrots and the broccoli in their mouth, if they spit it out, we put it back in. When you get hungry, not what they spit out. We just put another spoon in. We didn't abuse our kids. Don't misunderstand that. But we kept feeding them that same thing so that when they were hungry, they would eat it. Do you follow me? We're raising a generation that don't ever want everything's offensive. You can't tell the truth or preach the truth because it might offend somebody. You even got to be careful nowadays and all this stuff about gender. But they want to be this. I had somebody tell me the other day, come into my office at the bank, about a child that they're in kindergarten and they want to be a little girl. What would you do about that? I just said, I know you didn't. Just ask me. I'd take him in the bathroom, if I was his daddy, and I would say, and I don't mean to get too graphic, you should have sent your kids to children's church, I would say, this means you're a boy, and because you're a boy, you're going to act like a boy, you're going to play with boy toys, you're going to use the boy bathroom, and I'm going to teach you how to act like a man. But the problem today is people get offended at everything because they don't want to get off the the milk and onto the meat of the Word. They want you to keep feeding them tutti-frutti. Well, all of God's Word is not tutti-frutti. Sometimes it will cut you. The Bible says the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing and dividing asunder the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. The Bible sometimes will cut you. It will step on your toes. It may hit you right between the eyes, but chew on it, digest it, apply it to your life, and it will make you a changed believer. Somebody say amen. This is more of a book. The Bible is more than a book of information and interpretation. It's a book that generates life. It creates faith. It produces change. It frightens the devil. I love that one. It produces miracles. It heals hurts. It builds character. It transforms circumstances. It imparts joy. It overcomes adversity. It defeats temptation, infuses hope, releases power, changes our minds, brings things into existence, and it guarantees our future forever. Somebody say amen. Amen. Never take the Word of God for granted. We cannot live without it, and you ought to get more of it into you by any means you can. The Christian who's devoted to the teaching of the Word of God goes to church, participates in discipleship, prayerfully reads his Bible, and takes every opportunity possible to fill his mind with the things of God. People who are devoted to the teaching of the Word of God are like the Bereans. You don't hear a lot spoken of about the Bereans in the Bible, but in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11... And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the Scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Luke gave the Jews at Berea undying fame by characterizing them as being more open-minded than the Thessalonians. He said they tested what Paul said to the truths of what we call the Old Testament. And rather than, here's what happens today... But rather than judge what he says by political and cultural consideration, they were captivated by what he said as to whether or not it agreed with the Word of God. Can I tell you, you, if all you do is sit and listen to what I say on Sunday mornings and that's all the Word of God you get in your life, you're in trouble. I would encourage you to jot down the Scriptures I preach on and go back home and line up what I said with it. That's, a, that's another reason that you can get on The Connection. They're going to talk about me tonight at 8 o'clock. Sign on and join them. In his research on the Berean Church, Dr. J. Vernon McGee discovered that the Berean Church was a persecuted church. He also notes that even though the Bible says very little about the Berean Church, Scripture presents her as having more noble character. In other words, they were very pleasing to God. The Bible said they listened eagerly to Paul's message. The King James said that they had a readiness of mind, and they listened attentively and respectively. They were willing to hear the Word. Then they comprehended the Word, but they had hearts that were hungry for God's will for their lives. Solomon, in writing to those who would listen, wrote in Ecclesiastes 5 and 1, Listen at this. As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Sometimes it's important that we just get quiet and listen to what the Spirit is saying to us through His Word. There's some real questions that need to be answered as the Holy Spirit brings you through this first spiritual fitness check today. And I want to ask you, can people that look at you, can they say, there goes a Berean? There goes a man or woman of God that has a high regard for truth and one who lives out a life of devotion to the Lord. Because Jesus himself said in Matthew 4 and 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. I'm going to take about five minutes with each one of these other three topics and we'll finish today. Number two, they were devoted to fellowship. Another sign of spiritual fitness is fellowship with other Christians. Fellowship means to share in something which involves participation. The practical application is sharing material goods, sharing ministry, establishing relationships, and being partners in the gospel. That's the practical applications out of that passage of scripture. All of these are rooted in the spiritual reality of a connection. That's why we have connect groups here between believers that's based on their connection to Christ. Christians not only devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, but they were united in this work of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Christian... Christians in true service are united in feelings, in interest, in dangers, in conflicts, in opinions, and in serving Jesus Christ. They have a life that is joined together in sharing the blessings and gifts and also in bearing one another's burdens. That's a lost start in the church today. Sharing in the conflicts and the trials that come and the victories that are won in fulfilling the Great Commission. Do you know the Bible says that when one member of the body suffers we should all suffer. When one member of the body needs healing, we should all be praying for divine healing. When one member of the body needs God to move in something, we should all be praying for God to move in something. A publication that started in the mid to late 1800s and ran to the early 1900s was called the Sunday School Times. And it ran a story about Christians bearing others' burdens in living for the Lord. And in one section of China, there were several missionaries who were working together. And when they held services... One man would attend regularly, and he showed much evidence that the Holy Spirit was doing a great, mighty work in his life. And one day he confessed that he was now a Christian and that he no longer worshipped his ancestors in the usual manner that his religion did. And this occurred at the New Year time when he was supposed to perform the usual rites of that religion of burning paper and incense to his ancestors. So when he refused, he was given 15 days to recant, or he was to be beaten with 1,000 stripes. And as the 15 days drew near, a Christian from a different Chinese clan went to talk to the head of that clan, of the sentence man, who was about to receive 1,000 stripes. And the Christian explained, when a person becomes a believer and worshiper of Jesus Christ, they become a part of the family of God. We cannot stand by and watch our brother in Christ beaten. So we propose that if you insist in carrying out this sentence, we're going to all join with him and take our share of those stripes. The head of the clan knew that there would be great trouble if a member of one clan beat a member of another clan. And he said, if we would have understood this thing about sharing burdens of other Christians, such a verdict would have never been passed. And so that Christian man, nor his Christian brothers or sisters, had to take one stripe. I want to ask you this morning, Think about your faith family. Jesus said no greater love had any man than this than he would lay down his life for his friends. You should be concerned about other members of the body. A healthy Christian has true fellowship because he shares spiritual experiences with other soldiers of Jesus Christ. And this builds faith and it builds trust. And through their Christian service, they've shared material possessions, Acts 2 and 45, They worship together in verse 46 and 47. Because can I tell you this morning, the church, and it happens many places, but the church is not to become a social club where people come to socialize. First Peter chapter 2 and verses 4 and 5, Paul said, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. To be a spiritually healthy Christian, you need to be a part of biblical fellowship. In, in one of the first sermons, I shared the story of how D.L. Moody was trying to lead a man to Christ in Chicago. Actually, leading, he had been saved. He was trying to lead him back to church. He wouldn't go to church, and he told him. He said, he said, I don't have to go to church. And he said, well, no, you don't have to. But he walked over to the fireplace, and he took one coal off the fire, and he laid it on the hearth. And in silence, they both sat there and watched it burn out until there was no more flame. And the man looked at it, and he said, oh, I see You need to bring yourself regularly to the house of God so that the fire will stay ignited. Just as coals burn out quickly, you'll burn out and you'll fade away if you don't stay in the fellowship. And I want to say something else on top of that. Not only should we stay in the fellowship, sometimes uh, you need to exercise your spiritual gift whatever God has gifted you with in service to others. Jesus said, whoever desires to be the greatest in the kingdom shall be the servant of all. If it's not our desire to be great, I'm not talking about in man's eyes, I'm talking about in the Lord's eyes. If it's not our desire to be great in the Lord's eyes, then we've got our priorities out of order to begin with. But if it is our desire to be great in the Lord's eyes, then we need to serve somewhere. You don't have to be a part of everything going on in the church, but you do need to do something. You need to serve somewhere. Because you need, first of all, that gives you further connection and further fellowship and a, further, a larger inner circle of those people that you're serving with. And what their strength when we serve together, Ecclesiastes 4 9 through 12, listen to this. Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Proverbs 27 and 17, I love this. We share it in men's meetings a lot. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Also, I want you to know from the Word of God, there is safety for those who stay in the fellowship. Staying in the fellowship of the church brings safety to you. Leviticus 26 and 8 says five of you will chase a hundred. And a hundred of you will chase 10,000. All your enemies will fall beneath your sword. But I I want you to notice something that you won't find anywhere in here. You won't find where one chases anybody. We are better together. That needs to be our slogan around here. We're better together. Thirdly, they were devoted to communion. Another sign of spiritual fitness is that one constantly remembers the cross of Calvary with other believers in obedience to the ordinance that was given to us by Jesus Christ. Psalms 77 and 11 and 12 says, but then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Can I tell you this morning, the greatest deed that Christ ever did for sinners was when He carried all of our sins, all of the sins of the world upon Him and He gave His life on that cross. So the Bible doesn't say how often that we should partake of communion, but it does say that when we do it, it ought to be done in remembrance of Jesus and the sacrifice that He made so that you and I could have eternal life. We got some folks seated in here this morning We had some at the 845 service that I can look out over the crowd and tell you I see folks that have received mighty deliverances, mighty salvations. We celebrated in our business meeting last week where nearly 100 people have been saved since we opened the doors of this church over five years ago. Somebody ought to give the Lord some praise for that. You ought to remember where God brought you from. And you ought to celebrate what He has done for you. 1 Corinthians 11 and 28, when we get ready to take communion, he said, That's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And you ought to say, God, I remember what you did for me, but if there's anything in there that needs forgiven, I ask you to forgive me now. Examine yourself. He remembers what he was before Christ came into his heart, and now he rejoices. This is a spiritually fit Christian over what the cleansing blood of Jesus has purchased. For him now. I shared this this morning. I want to share this very quickly. I loved it. It says in an article that I read. It said a powerful ruler. Built a great palace. And among the rooms. Was one that was always locked. And he called it. The chamber of memories. Every day he visited that room. But he didn't permit anybody else. To come inside. And finally one day. The servants got a peep. Inside the locked room. Of that fine palace. But inside this room. There was no silver. There was no gold. and There was no precious jewels. All they saw was a humble shepherd's robe. It was the robe the king had worn before he came to the throne. Don't ever forget where God has brought you from. Amen. First 1 Corinthians 2 and 2, Paul said, For I have decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Forget everything else that's going on. And focus on Jesus Christ. A healthy Christian will strive to make decisions and live a life that revolves around the fact that we are not our own. We've been purchased with a price, the highest price that can be paid. And because of that price paid, the child of God will choose to attend a Bible-believing church that spreads the gospel message, avoids watered-down theology and false doctrines. In light of God's Word, he or she will allow the Holy Spirit to examine his heart as he has communion with the Lord. Can I tell you something this morning? There are a lot of places you could go today that have great big crowds. But they're preaching watered down messages that will not change your life. But if you'll read, not even take what I say, read the Word of God, it will change your life. Somebody say amen. Amen. Fourthly, They were devoted, we're talking about being devoted, to prayer. One thing that will promote optimal spiritual health is one's devotion to prayer. Without the power of God, there can be no lasting or significant work done for Jesus Christ. And can I tell you this morning, that if the church is too busy to pray, then there'll be a lot of activity, but little results. Many services, but few conversions. Many programs, but nothing life-changing is accomplished. And this is why the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans, he said, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Because the child of God faces many obstacles, many trials, and even spiritual battles as you walk with the Lord down here. You're going to face battles in this life. Let me say that again. I know that's not popular and it doesn't make you happy, but you're going to go through stuff in this life. You're going to go through battles and you're going to go through storms. But when you hold on to God's Word and you commit yourself to prayer, God will bring you safely through every single time. A man by the name of Watchman Nee wrote, Our prayers, listen to this, lay the track on which God's power can come. I love this. Like a mighty locomotive, his power is irresistible, but it cannot reach us without rails. Prayer is like art or music. It can only be enjoyed by and through those who have disciplined. We've been talking about disciplining yourself through this series. Who have disciplined themselves to actually spend time in prayer. An artist or musician cannot fully reach his or her potential unless he or she learns about and spends time developing their gift. Most people enjoy looking at the artwork. Or they love listening to a musician that's put a great deal of time and energy into their music. And so it is with prayer. It is those who spend time in prayer individually, corporately, and continually who bless those for whom they've been praying. Corey Ten Boom expressed the life of being a vibrant praying Christian this way. And she asked, she says, Is prayer your steering wheel? Or your spare tire? Are you praying so that God will lead, God direct you and transport you to where you need to go? Or is the only time that you talk to God when you have a flat and you can't get off the ground yourself? Did you hear me? Let prayer be your steering wheel and not your spare tire. The Bible says, very quickly I'm going to read four scriptures. They can go ahead and come to the music this morning. I'm going to quote these quickly. Colossians 4 and 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Romans 12 and 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Ephesians 6 and 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. And then there's the promise about prayer in James chapter 5 and verse 16. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What does it mean to be devoted to prayer? It means to be regular and to be often in prayer. It means to have a lifestyle in which prayer is an integrated part. When I say that He's a devoted Father, it means that you can expect the man who I'm talking about to be the head of his family and to get done whatever needs to be done. If you're a devoted prayer warrior, it should be expected you know how to get a hold of God. And can I tell you that when I can't help you, I know who can. When somebody else can't help you, I know who can. And if you become a devoted prayer warrior, you'll know who can too. So instead of running to 10 people to tell them about your problems, you'll run to your secret place. And you'll call on your Father who is in secret. And the Bible says, He that hears in secret will reward you openly. He will answer our prayers. And in Mark chapter 9, if we want to talk about the importance of prayer, we find the story of the demoniac. And the disciples had tried to cast this demon out of this boy, but they were powerless. But when Jesus stopped and he stepped in and he prayed, the Bible says that that foul spirit came out of that boy immediately. Mark 9, 28, 29, and the new King James said that when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? They were frustrated. Why could we not cast it out? But he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Can I tell you that not just your pastor, not just your worship pastor, not just your high school ministry student pastor and your children's church pastors need to have the power that comes by prayer and fasting. We all, need to have the power. All of us that comes only by prayer and fasting. A spiritual fit Christian's life is not limited to prayer, but it's devoted to prayer. We need to be devoted to prayer. Another publication, the Christian Index, ran the story of a man who was in service to General Stonewall Jackson. You've all heard of him. I'm about to close. He said many noticed that he was able to discern whenever the general was about to start another expedition. And when asked how he knew, the man said, Mr. Jackson prays every night and every morning. But when he prays two, three, or four hours during the night, that's when I go ahead and get up and I pack his baggage because I know we're going on an expedition. When I read that story, I thought about Angie's great-grandmother, Sister Martha Fields, who planted the Dorothy Pentecostal Church, which is down the road in this community. The largest independent Pentecostal church, I think, still in this area. And I was reminded of a story about how one night she got up in the middle of the night to the, the wee early hours of the morning and she got ready. She went and sat out on her front porch and somebody said, Mama, what are you doing? She said, there's a man that's sick in Covington. And this was way before the cell phone day. She planted that church in 1934. She said, there's a man that's sick in Covington. I don't know who's coming, but somebody's coming to pick me up and take me to pray for him. And sure enough, she sat out on the front porch. And that morning, somebody showed up. They drove her to Covington. She prayed for that man, and that man got healed. I would to God that in the church world today, we would have people that were that connected to the Father. One of our problems is we're connected to everybody else through this so much that we don't take the time that we need to steal away somewhere and pray and get connected to the Father. I want to tell you something this morning. When you've got trouble, Facebook can't help you. As a matter of fact, it may hurt you. Keep you, Take your drama to your mama. Don't put it on Facebook. Somebody say amen. Facebook can't help you. When you're in trouble, Instagram can't help you. Twitter can't help you, but I can tell you what will help you. That is a prayer life to an almighty God and a word that he will speak to you from his word that will change your life. So like Sister Karen said a few months ago, maybe years ago, she said in a message when she was speaking, when you get up in the mornings, instead of putting your face on Facebook first, why don't you try putting your face in the book and get a hold of God and God will change your life. If you'll stand with me. All over the house this morning I'm gonna close on prayer and then then I'm gonna close it out and open the altar this morning A healthy church prays together regularly faithfully and wholeheartedly but when someone's church is about to go out on another expedition for the Lord we should make extra time to be in prayer And we've done that I believe that 2019 we can no longer fit everybody that wants to worship here in one service in this room that's awesome I believe in 2019 we're going to get to the place where the 11 o'clock gets really difficult. And there may be some seats in the 845. I believe that. We're about to go on another expedition. This, This is not about anybody's popularity. This church is not about anybody's career. I've got one of those. This is about reaching every lost person we can possibly reach and taking as many to heaven with us as we can. So because of that, we're, we're going to make some times of corporate prayer, prayer around here. The first one is Sunday night, April the 14th. That's one week before Easter. From 5 to 6 o'clock, we're going to meet around this altar for one hour and pray for nothing but the lost that will attend this church on Easter Sunday morning. Now last year, we had over 350 people in two services. I'm believing that's probably going to be 400 this year. But we're going to ask God, I'm not as much concerned about the 400. I'll just be tickled if one, two, three, four, five, or 10 get saved. Can I hear an amen this morning? That's what it's about. So in closing today, I want you to mark those dates down. That's the first one and try to be a time of the corporate prayer. But in closing today, a spiritually fit Christian lives a life, spiritual fitness, you live a life devoted to God's Word, devoted to Christian fellowship, devoted to communion, and devoted to prayer. Can I tell you this morning that the time for you to do those things is right now. The time to become spiritually fit so that we can, I believe that God is preparing us for a harvest. I shared that with you at the beginning of this series, A Harvest of Souls. So we need to be a fit church. The Bible says he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. I want to be fit for the kingdom. I want to be financially fit so this church can fund ministry and finance the harvest. I want to be physically fit as as well as possible so that we can be able to work the harvest because ministry, if you don't know, is hard work. And thirdly, I want us to be spiritually fit because if we're not spiritually fit, we may finance the harvest and we may work ourselves to death, but we'll never reap the harvest that God has for us if we're not spiritually fit. So with that said, I want to ask you this morning, very quickly before we open the altars, is there something in your life that you need to get rid of? Something that you know that is a spiritual cancer in your life that you need that's preventing you from spiritual health. Let me tell you what the book says to do about that. Hebrews 12 and 1. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So I want you this morning to be willing to lay the pride to the side and find a place in this altar and lay down those things that are hindering you in your walk with Christ. Number two. If you're here this morning and you just say, Pastor, I just want to be spiritually fit so that we can reap the harvest. I want to fulfill God's calling on my life and do the kingdom work that He has for me to do. I want you to find a place in this altar. And if you're here this morning and you say, I've got some spiritual struggles and some issues in my life, I want to tell you, this is the place where those will be met. But lastly, and certainly not least this morning, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm not even ready to meet the Lord should I go out into eternity today. I want to tell you, it's as simple as admitting that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Believing that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He died on that cross for your sins. He rose again on the third day, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And then, see, you just confess Him to be the Lord of your life. Invite Him in, ask Him to forgive you, and confess Him to be the Lord of your life. And then you will be fit for the kingdom. So they're going to sing. I'm going to pray. We're going to open this altar. And I challenge and invite every single one of you, don't let pride keep you in your seat this morning. Find a place and spend a few moments in prayer with God. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for your word today. God, we want to be fit for the kingdom. God, we want to be fit for the kingdom. We want to do the work that you have for us to do. So God, today we lay the pride to the side. And God, we bring those things to you that we know that we need to rid ourselves of in our lives. God, we ask you to make us spiritually fit so that we can do the work, God, and reap the harvest that you have for us. Father, I pray today that not one single person that's lost will leave this place lost today, but they would leave here saying, Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. And God, I pray today for those that have spiritual issues and struggles in their life that need forgiveness and healing and deliverance, that you would let it be done today in this altar. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let it be done.